Dear friends in Christ, you know the response. Christ has risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's, let's slow down and think about that for a moment. Slow down. You know, that's a phrase that is appropriate because if there's one thing that Americans don't know how to do, it's slow down. If you hop on any highway, you'll see drivers hitting speeds that only used to belong to professional race drivers or maybe those moonshiners during the Prohibition. Well, posted speed limits are now thought of by many people as being the minimum speed limit, not the maximum. The traffic flow on I-294 is uh, around 70 miles per hour now. Even through the construction, it was a little bit difficult when I was driving. And it's only a 55 zone. In 2005, when USA Today had analyzed 1.2 million tickets on interstate highways, in 18 states, they compared those to a decade earlier. Well, they came to the conclusion that we're speeding faster than ever and that we're speeding further above the limits now than we were when there were old speed limits. And that surprises no one. And as a result, people started taking action. There was a place in the Netherlands called Delft. It's a Dutch city. And Americans, we know, aren't the only ones with speed in the street problems. And it sounds like a goofy idea what they did there, but some of the residents in Dell thought that this plan might work. Now, they're not from Chicago, okay? But they moved furniture into the streets, and they put planters and chairs and tables and sofas, and cars would still maneuver around them, but they did have to slow down. They were forced to. And that's really what Easter is all about. It's the sofa in the street. It's the rock and the road. And for us, it's a very special rock because this is the rock that was rolled away. Think of it as a speed bump on your way home to your busy life. You know, if you're going to maneuver around this particular stone, are you going to do that? Are you going to go around this empty tomb? Or will you stop and see what it's all about? Most of us, we don't like the hectic pace that we really have adopted in life. And there really shouldn't be any arguments about it. We know that we haven't paused to pray as we should as often. We haven't always taken some quiet moments with God. Sometimes we don't have time to open the Bible unless we're sitting in church. We've invested time in a lot of the wrong things. We know all that. We all know all that. And as a culture and society, we want to slow down. And that's why we try to make our streets safe, to make the world pleasant for pedestrians. This use of sofa as speed bumps is really part of a larger international movement to make streets safer and more pleasant for pedestrians. Americans, we know that we depend on our cars for everything, from going to school visiting friends or buying groceries. And sidewalks are even being phased out in certain suburbs. And so-called traffic improvements, well, many communities find that those are really unfit for pedestrians. That's why we see a, really a fresh focus on pedestrian power. 
People have lobbied to have crosswalks painted and marked clearly, stop signs installed, speed bumps created, and in some places having the streets even narrowed. They want to reclaim their cities and towns. They want to do that for walking and talking and connecting with each other. Well, Jesus wanted to do a lot more. And let's look at Matthew's account of this resurrection of our Lord. He says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. On Easter Sunday, we know that Jesus tossed one huge resurrection stone out there so that all who had passed by could not help but slow down, if not come to a screeching halt, perhaps. Everything seemed to slow down. It certainly does for Mary Magdalene and the other Mary here who go to see Jesus at daybreak on Easter morning. And suddenly, they're stopped in their tracks. There's a great earthquake, he says, And by the appearance of that angel who rolled back the stone, the women, they pass by. But those guards, those Roman guards, they actually pass out. Maybe it was from fear or wonderment or a combination of both. But neither guard takes the flight or fight option. They're just done. But the angel comforts the women, telling them that Jesus is no longer there, that he's been raised. The angel invites them to come and see that place where Jesus was. And then he gives them that command, go quickly and tell the disciples he's been raised from the dead and is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. Go quickly is what the angel said. But that's not what Jesus says. Matthew says that the women hurried on their way, and they ran smack into Jesus. And he says one word, greetings. He says, slow down, catch your breath, don't race past me. You know, I need to make a connection with you right now. Now, you could probably say that the two Marys hit the brakes, and maybe they even started screaming, (laughs) or perhaps they were just struck dumb with fear. Now, remember that they had been to a tomb. They were in a cemetery, as it was, you know, if it were today. Think of your reaction if you were visiting a cemetery of a loved one and you discover that the headstone of that loved one has been overturned. Someone perhaps you may have watched even suffer prior to their death and then you saw them die 
And then as you're running away, confused and frightened from that cemetery plot, you run into your deceased loved one. Yet now that loved one does not appear to be deceased. You can imagine the flood of emotions that must have raced through the lives of those women, causing their bodies probably to shake from even head to foot. In any event, they're on the ground and they're clasping the feet of Jesus. They were afraid. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. The fact that they take hold of his feet shows that he's a real person in resurrection life. He's not a ghost or a spirit. He's someone that they can see and hear and touch and connect with like anyone else they would meet as they wander down the road. Now, if you're driving in the, the Netherlands, if you go up there and you come across a sofa in the street, you'll need to change direction or you're going to have a collision with it. And that's what the resurrection does. It forces us to slow down, to change direction. It's too bad, then, that there are too many people who keep trying to plow their way past the resurrection by proceeding as though there's nothing there at all. I'm going to carry this burden myself, someone might say. It's mine to bear. Or, I'm going to stay with this guilt a little bit longer. I'm getting used to it now. Or they may say, well, I'm not about to forgive him, no matter what he does. He's done me wrong. And then there's a statement, well, if there is a God, then that suffering I'm going through, it would have never happened. And so it goes. We slam into the resurrection rock and get nowhere at all. And that's what happens when we don't let God's word drive our own thoughts and actions. And when his word speaks to us, well, then there's a response that is really expected from us as well. And in Matthew's account here, the women, they're the first to receive a direct commission from the risen Lord Jesus. As he instructs them to go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, to the place where I will see him. And when we take a closer look at this passage, you see that the message of Jesus is much like the command of the angel. They both offer the women comfort, telling them, don't be afraid. Both steer the men toward Galilee, toward the place where Jesus will eventually give those disciples the Great Commission, where he'll say to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He gives a promise, a sure promise, even as he gives a command. For both the angel and Jesus, Galilee is more than just a place. It's a place with a purpose. The prophet Isaiah, he refers to it in Isaiah 9, verse 1, as the Galilee of the Gentiles, or the Galilee of the nations. It's the perfect launching pad for a ministry that will make disciples of all nations. But there's a difference between them as well. And while the angel says, go quickly, Jesus simply says, go. These women will not race rapidly past the reality of the resurrection because they're seeing Jesus. It's not a call for us to slow down or simplify our lifestyles. It's not about stopping to smell the roses or the coffee 
or maybe even that baked ham that you might have today. It's about slowing down to reflect on the events of the day. And like the two Marys, we're invited to come to Jesus, to take hold of his feet, and to worship him. Now, to come to Jesus, that means to change direction, to turn our lives to his direction, and to try to carry forward his love as we reach out to others, to share that mercy and forgiveness that he has given us as we do that in our own words and deeds. To take hold of Jesus' feet, it means to really be grasping that rock-solid reality of the resurrection, trusting that God has the power to overcome all the horrors and heartaches of the world, even death itself. To worship Jesus, that means praising his goodness and power and making an offering of ourselves to the work of our risen Lord as we live in this world today. These are not the kinds of commitments that are to be made with Jesus on the run. They require slowing down, stopping, making a solid connection with him right here, right now, in this place, on this Easter morning. But whenever and wherever Jesus meets us, he never allows us to remain standing in one place. He's always calling us to move forward, to carry the message forward. And to the two Marys, he says, go and tell. And along with that first command, he can also say to us, help and heal, fix and forgive, restore and reconcile. These are really like things that we know that he's called us to do. There's a multitude of missions to be carried out in the name of Jesus. And the challenge for us today, as it was for those two Marys on that first Easter, is to listen, to listen to what Jesus is challenging us to do. Maybe Jesus is calling you to offer some help to a widow who lives down the street, someone who's alone. Or maybe to reach out with healing and hope for a misunderstood teenager who feels angry and isolated. Perhaps Jesus is calling you to fix a relationship that has been broken by a mean or thoughtless act on your part. Maybe it's to forgive a relative who had hurt you very badly and strained your relationship almost to a breaking point. Maybe the Lord's calling you to fix up a house of maybe someone who's a low-income person in your community. Or, like we have done in the past too, to work at a soup kitchen for those who are homeless. These are rare and wonderful ways to respond to the call of Christ. Ways that can really surprise people, shock people, even stop traffic. Only you know what Jesus is calling you to do. Calling you to go and to live that resurrection life that he's given you. A resurrection rock is in your road. Whatever you do, don't try to drive through it. And don't turn around in despair either. Listen for what is being said to you. Listen for what you are being asked to do by your Lord. After all, we're supposed to be on a walk with Jesus, right? No one ever talks about their run with Jesus. It's always our walk with the Lord. So walk with him. Walk beside him. And walk in his footsteps. Slowly and carefully 
and prayerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in your Lord and Savior, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.